0: Alright, what is up everybody? Welcome back to Tag Team. JW and I flubbed the intro last time because we forgot to record audio, but we're back. And so I am Riley, joined by my good friend, JW Krewal. JW, how you doing today? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, Riley. How are you? I'm doing fine. I've been pretty busy at work, getting ready for another trip out to California. So enjoy the wonderful backdrop for the viewers uh, on the video while it's here because I'll probably be back in a crappy hotel next week
1: yeah and we'll make sure we get better uh, you know layouts for me when I have the host
0: <laughs> I actually I was watching and I thought you did a pretty good job for like well, the yeah. <laughs> 20 minutes of prep
1: that you had yeah there you go it was kind of a last second uh, last second effort yeah well JW how have you been though this past week I've been pretty good I mean things are just checking along as, as normal and just practicing a lot have some gigs that I was doing, and just living the dream.
0: Yeah, that does sound pretty awesome. So are you on track to actually finally get a gig going, or are you stuck at Limbo forever out here?
1: Well, I have an audition coming up in December, so that's in St. Paul, Minnesota, and so I'll be flying out there, you know, in about a month, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, well,
0: Twin Cities, I feel like that's a pretty cool place to be, so... Hope that works out for you. On that the casual too. side, though, you did actually win a Pokemon regional, I think it was, this past weekend. Um, Richmond, Virginia, was it? Were you there? Yeah.
1: Was that, was that this weekend? Uh,
0: I mean, like, I distinctly remember watching it on my computer, but that might've, I mean, that might've been an old video oh. that like popped up or something. No,
1: no, Oh yeah, I think you're right. I think this was this last weekend, but yeah, you know, I did win that regional. And... I guess I'm just trying to stay humble about it,
0: Yeah. you know? Yeah, I feel that, man. I feel that. You can't come on too strong with these kind of things.
1: Otherwise, people right. are like, like, all right, man, like, whatever, dude. It, it'd be a little pompous of me to just come on here and just say, hey, I, I won a regional. So, um, you know, just keep it on the DL, I guess. And, uh, you know, we'll just let, let the results speak for themselves. Right. And, I mean, for you, they haven't spoken for themselves in so long, so... Well, it's been since 2013. You never really you never really know when your next big win is going to come. And it is, it has been uh, very exciting and a little bit heartbreaking to see your friends succeed over and over. And, you know, different friends do well uh, in different tournaments. And it's been great for them. And I'm very happy for them and wouldn't, you know, change a thing. But then you always kind of wonder, like, well, when is my shot going to come? And it came last weekend.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it was in a pretty dominant fashion, too. Plus, you looked good the whole way doing it.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate yeah, that. I have my, my special shirt on for day two. Yeah.
0: <laughs> What's your special shirt?
1: It's it's I call it my Florida shirt and it has uh, like mixed drinks, <laughs> and like little um, like hula girls. <laughs> then what does that have to do with Florida? <laughs> I just feel like it's a Florida shirt because it's kind of a little bit baggy. It just feels like somebody, something somebody would wear to the beach. In Florida, specifically. In Florida, specific. Well, because people are crazy down there and they don't really care about
0: what they wear. Or like fashion norms or anything like that.
1: Right, right. It's all about comfort and, you know, it's kind of something that like an old man would wear because he doesn't really care <laughs> about how he looks. Yeah, and you definitely got some boomer vibes going, JW. Well, that is the joke, isn't it?
0: Yeah. But it sounds like we were talking earlier. You're trying to kind of reverse that boomer vibe by. You said you're growing a man bun.
1: Yeah, I'm growing a man bun. That's right. So that's my big goal for the next <laughs> month. I'm gonna see where it goes in the next month. I'm almost to a ponytail level, but it looks like a sumo wrestler because it's not long enough to lay flat. So we're just gonna keep going for it. It's about time. My my wife keeps telling me it's about time I need to like trim the sides here. So we'll probably do that hopefully this weekend. And uh, you know it's getting. It's getting pretty you know it's getting pretty long you know it comes down to like over my eyes in the front you wouldn't know because i have some nice product in it right now but um mm-hmm. uh, you know soon enough we'll be able to get that man bun rocking and then my outfit and my appearance will be
0: complete well don't give any free advertising to that product on stream as far as name dropping goes but have you reached out to them as far as like maybe doing some kind of sponsorship thing
1: oh that would be a good idea
0: yeah I think we could maybe get some kind of brand rep going
1: something to think about
0: <laughs> well I was super excited actually to see you win and take home the championship regional champion JW Crewall. super exciting I mean the last one barely counts if you think about it so
1: I, well the funny thing about the last one is is it was the first tournament of this day two style system where they play extra rounds in day two I think that's something that has kind of gotten lost. Uh, But that was the first tournament where they didn't just cut to a top 32 bracket and play single a limb. They actually went into a day two of Swiss. It was kind of a little bit of a debacle because in day two, people got paired against people they had already gotten paired against in day two. So there was some big, um, problems with that because there was one you know person who had a really bad matchup against this other deck and they got paired against them twice in the second day and (laughs) how did they mess that up it was just the program was so new they had never done it before so it didn't account for because i think it just paired people with the same records but then things happened where if they didn't have the same records then they would be paired together again or something like that i don't know something really bizarre and there was one problem where Like the highest seed played the lowest seed or something. Like the person with the most points played the person with the least. It was wacky. It was really wacky.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm glad they got that sorted out for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just get right into it then. You had an awesome run at this regional. I mean, you lost what, one series the entire event?
1: It was one series and it was in day one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Eight and one in day one and then basically one out until you started tying in day two. Pretty yeah. impressive run. Basically just a little bit of a nerf on my run, if you think about it. <laughs> so run me through what that was like. Run me through the things sure. that you saw. You don't have to go round by round, but what was like the, the theme of the things that were out there? What were the big decks? What were things that you were hitting often and things that you saw around you? Run me through your sure. days. So let's start with day one.
1: Sure. Um, so I played against a couple buzz garb in day one and that matchup was probably the freest matchup that i had over the course of the two days just because i mean twofold you you know their garbs don't do anything because you only play five items so you literally cannot play into garbador like,
0: like you, you, no could, you could try and fail. Yeah,
1: you, you could you could get your computer search and computer search. You know, two gears on turn one, and it it literally couldn't matter less. <laughs> because um, actually, the best attack on Garbodor is Acid Spray. Acid Spray, exactly. So if they're able to Acid Spray enough times, and Acid Spray is actually a two hit KO on the Garbodor. So what I saw from a lot of people, and actually Alex Shemansky played it very well in our series. He was the closest person. Um, I played it twice. He he played it extremely well, but what he would do is go in with an early let loose, and then just try to build up an acid spray on the bench. And yeah, the matchup was particularly difficult if they played two psychics because then that way they could attach two basic energies that you couldn't faba, and then be able to attack with a third special energy. Right. So even, and if, and you even faba- if you faba it away even if you fob it every single turn, they could attach, you know, another rainbow or a beast energy and just keep continuing to, um, you know, two shot your, your vile plumes. But if the let loose didn't stick, like let, let loose actually wasn't a problem for me throughout the tournament. And I think that just goes to show that, um, with good deck building, I really don't see Marshadow shadow as a major problem. Um, I I just felt like throughout the course of the tournament, anytime my opponent tried to let loose me against my deck, I always had a way to draw out of it. It may not have been the optimal way to draw out of it, but I always had something to do. I always had a Bridget or a Fan Club or a Stevens Revolve. There was just some way uh, for me to get out of it. And I think that is a very big strength of the deck where a let loose plant doesn't affect you. I mean, the plant is useless. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I I, I really feel like... um, that was that was a very big strength, just generally speaking of the deck. So Buzzgarb was a very free matchup for me. Again, I did get very close um, to losing. I think I think I may have lost a game to Alex in day one. I can't remember, but um you know, he played it very, very well. I played another Buzzgarb that that just played a little bit more special energies and and maybe didn't know the matchup quite as well. so um,
0: then so in that matchup,
1: I'm curious. did you? Were you finding yourself typically going for basic
0: lock plume or were you fine just item locking and attacking with Rowlet?
1: Sure. So in that matchup, I would go in with the item lock because it kind of, it just slowed their deck to a crawl. Uh, if they have access to items, then they can get, you know, they just see more of their deck. Right. Uh, and so I usually would start with the item lock unless I prize to gloom. If I prize to gloom or to oddish, then I would just get the basic, but normally I just go for the item lock, slow the game down to my pace and then, slowly build up the uh burning shadows and that kind of gave me a little bit more time to be able to find guzma which was actually the biggest thing I, I feel like you get the item lock plume up and then all you're really searching for is energies and guzmas to take out their biggest threat on the bench so that's kind of how i approach that matchup not necessarily that you need the item lock vile plume but that it just gives you more time it, it it is a more of a win more card in that matchup but I felt like it just controls the game so much that you might as well have it uh, since you have all the, you know, resources to do it. They, they're not really threatening your raw Egg on the first turn unless they maybe get Beast Energy onto a Buzzel Fermosa, That's probably the scariest thing. Beast Energy, Buzzel Farramosa, and then a Let Loose. That's probably the scariest thing that that can do. But even then, if you draw a Faba and you're able to get rid of that Beast Energy, then they're only hitting you for 30 and it's pretty (laughs) manageable from there. Yeah. So Buzzgarb, that was a deck that I played twice. I played a Nightmarch from Alex Garcia. Um, This matchup can be a little bit tricky. He did play the target whistle, but I fear that he didn't know to try to use it against me. And so there was one game, I think it might've been game two, where he'd kind of resigned himself to just losing the matchup and he had battle compressor to weigh his target whistle like on turn one or something like that and that just kind of left me open to basically do whatever i wanted uh target whistle isn't a huge issue because you can counterplay the target whistle with your own Brock's grit but in your own az i guess like if they target whistle a rowig and they can't one shot it then you can just az it mm-hmm. but it's still an out and i don't i don't know that he played to that out uh, in our game, so that was a fairly simple matchup. Um, I played against Zoro Control twice over the two days. Day one, I played Caleb Gedemer in round two, and I feel that the Zoro Control matchup—it's certainly winnable, if not favored for Raoeg, just because you can really hit them with the power plants, mm-hmm. and if you can get the power plant early. And especially if you can get the power plant early and have a backup power plant to bump their silent lab, then I find that the games just grind to a halt for them and they have a hard time uh, keeping pace. So I beat Caleb pretty convincingly two games in round two. Round three, I was streamed against Picaram, which was a pretty tough matchup. I was a little bit concerned about it uh, because the prizing for me is a big issue. If I prize one Burning Shadows, Vileplume, the game can get really out of hand very quickly mm-hmm. uh, because they can always Guzma around your, you know, your Burning Shadows Vileplume plume and then uh, tag bolted on the bench, right? So that's always Correct. an out. You yeah. want to make sure that you have your Burning Shadows uh, both in the deck. But one of the cards that saved me in that matchup was Shuckle, and shoutouts to Shuckle GX who saved me in game two. shout Shoutouts to Chat apparently who caught that Shuckle. Uh, was not supposed to get knocked out from his uh, Pikaram's first attack, which I'm blanking on now, but full blitz. So it only had two energy attached and he had the stadium out, so he technically could attack, but it just didn't, you know, do any damage to my shuckle because he only had two energy attached. So we thought it was a knockout. Obviously it wasn't. And since it wasn't a knockout, it actually just gave me that one extra turn that I needed to be able to retreat into a raw egg and evolve up uh into my guys so that was a very very tense match i think i lose if he gets the turn one knockout and and i think he was telling me later that he actually had like an energy switch in hand that he just uh didn't play he didn't think he needed to play it so he didn't play it Mm -hmm. um that matchup goes a lot differently if he if he does get that turn one knockout so you both forgot what shuckle did well it just (laughs) was the kind of it was the kind of thing and i said this on my stream uh uh commentary afterwards it's just the kind of thing where in your brain you kind of um, simplify information by by um, bringing together just effects that you know. Like you know right. that thunder, like you just basically know, like oh, thunder mountain counts as another energy, and so then I can use my attack, and so I have three energy. But that's not exactly how the cards work. But your brain is just going to combine those actions and combine those effects, just so that it makes it easier for you to know what's going on. So I I don't. It's just our brains are weird. And I feel like people will say, oh, how, how could you not know what that card did? Or how could you be so stupid like to let that happen? But I really think that there's something deeper going on than just us not paying attention. I think it's just really that we had amalgamated information and kind of made us our brain helped us to make that assumption, right? <laughs> because if, if our brains have to calculate every little thing that happens, then it's going to take us forever to do any task ever. You're right. so so our brain has to like kind of combine things so that it makes it faster for us to do everything right so if we have to think about how to breathe then we will never get any work done right so it's just that kind of thing that happened on stream and um you know unfortunately we had a misplay but it's just the kind of thing that happens and and i i certainly see that you know that these things are are can happen to me right you never think they can happen to you and then they do and
0: it's a big thing. So yeah, that's a lot of words to say you don't play Shuckle a lot.
1: Well, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> uh, in my round four, I played against a Darkrai. He didn't have Stealthy Hood, so that was a very, very free matchup for me. And then I also played another free matchup in Spiritomb, and that was in round eight. I played against Noel, but um, he didn't play any Evolution. Right. So I, I kind of, I still played it very conservatively, where I would start by going with the item lock vile plume and then um, you know, and then getting out the burning shadows. But I think in reality, all I needed to do in that matchup was go for the burning, excuse me, the burning shadows vile plume. Uh, but it again, it's just a lot of these matchups were so free that you might as well play it conservatively mm-hmm. and then see what happens. Uh, and then in round seven was my only loss on day one. So I started out six. I was feeling really good about everything, but I was kind of noticing as the rounds got going, like, oh, there's this Guardian that's doing really well. I, I really hope I dodge that because the Dark Box, I had only heard played a 1-1 one, one Weavile. And I was like, okay, maybe I can, you know, I can knock that out with the GX attack on uh, the Rowlet Executor. But the Guardian has two aromatists, and that can be really tough, especially with their healing, right? So the Dark Box yeah. doesn't play any healing. You just one-shot that thing one time. And you're good to go. But the aromatists, you have to two-shot it, generally speaking, because they don't really give you enough time to get up a uh, rally, Alolan Executor. The Power Plants don't really do anything to that deck, so you don't really slow them down. Their, their whole deck is built to be able to handle Lab and Power Plant. Um, so I was really scared of that. I ended up playing it in round seven. I think he just drew fine and like I don't remember drawing badly or well um and I think the matchup played out as you would expect where he was able to heal and you know maybe I I we obviously don't have that game recorded but maybe there were different lines of play that I could have done I I think I did learn a lot from that game and when I came back to play it on stream and again in the top four I did learn a lot and I played the matchup I think differently, but I'm not sure that there was anything I necessarily could have done that round to avoid a loss. He you know, played very well in that in that round seven. And then round nine, I played against Darkbox. So this was the guy I played, Chris, who got second at the regionals. I played him three <laughs> times. I played him three times. And, and the Guardian, too. And the Guardian, I did play three times. That's true. I, I don't know if that has I, – I can't recall if that's ever happened where – people have played the same person three times. That seems absurd. And for me to do it twice is just even more. Three times has definitely happened.
0: I don't know if it's ever happened twice.
1: It it was crazy. It was (laughs) just so wild. And so I played Chris and I was like, Hey bro, you want to ID like our last round? I'm like, I probably don't have a good matchup against you. So I'm just going to offer the ID. He's like, nah, bro, I'm going for the clout. Like (laughs) I want to go nine Oh day one. And I'm like, fair enough. If, if I was in your position, I probably would too. So we play that game. And I, I don't really remember too much about the game. But I just remember that the plants stuck the whole time against him and he wasn't really able to get probably anything. Going. there. Yeah. yeah, I could get up the um, I could get up the item lock vial plume. And then his deck just kind of died on him after I had the plant down. And so one thing that I didn't know until the finals was that he only played two stadiums. And so if I had known that throughout the day, I think like I maybe would have been more aggressive and trying to search out plants, but it just so happened that, yeah, that I beat him. in. I, I think all of our games went to three games. I, I can't quite remember, but um, I ended up beating him around nine. So I went to eight and one and had the best resistance. as I well was first seed heading into day two, uh, day two, It was really funny. I was like, oh, bro, we're going for the salty run back because immediately I play Chris again in the first (laughs) round of day two and end up beating him again. I go right back to a salty run back uh, with Drew in round (laughs) 11. And it was, that was pretty funny because he won very convincingly against me for um, in that round seven matchup. And we were heading over to the stream. They're like, hey, we're going to stream you guys. And and I told them heading up, I said, this just feels like a lamb heading for the slaughter. Like, <laughs> I just thought I was going to get bodied so hard. But you saw in that stream game, that was probably one of my most... Um, just I'm happy it was recorded because for me, it felt like a game that I really did the right plays every time and and worked to find out my route to victory. Um, and yeah. so... I want to do a breakdown of that video um, sometime for my channel, just to kind of go over what I was thinking and, and kind of the decisions that I made in that matchup, because it did really feel like I had learned a lot and I tried to use a different strategy and it ended up working out for me. I do feel like in in the the streamed game, Drew went too quickly through his deck. I think he could have been a little bit more patient than he was. There was one turn where he like used a he used a Sycamore or a Juniper instead of using a Guzma. And I think there were other times where he maybe discarded healing when he otherwise didn't need to. And so I I wonder if that matchup is, you know, it felt it felt kind of even after actually playing it three times. But I wonder if it's significantly favored for Aromatis if he maybe plays just in a little bit different way, maybe a little bit more conservatively. I guess it would be the the way I I would think to approach the matchup. But I mean, he certainly um, has time to. Yeah, he certainly has time to, for sure. But you saw it there, like he he was using uh junipers very liberally and ended up decking himself out just because he couldn't one or two shot my um my vial plumes. So right. that, that was pretty that was pretty interesting and, and gave me a little bit more confidence uh when I faced him again in, in round um what, seventeen or sixteen in, in top four. And then I played Pramawat in round twelve. He was playing Zero Control. I offered him the idea at this point i was i had 30 points or 33 points or something i, I forget what i was at i was 30, at 30
0: you had 30 yeah. yeah
1: so i was at 30 points i offered the the id because at 31 i'm just automatically in and i don't have to worry about getting down paired or you know anything weird happening i mean i just wanted to secure it And he's like no nah, you know we have to play because at this point it was kind of funny our point spread he was the highest player besides, uh, besides you. Me, yeah right and so he had like 27 at that point he had 26 he had 26 <laughs> points and we were just joking about it he was like yeah man like you're sucking up all these points and i'm like I, you know i what can i do uh, <laughs> and so so that was pretty funny. We we played a good series. I ended up winning a really grindy game one. Again, it came down to getting a power plant to stick and him not having a counter stadium or uh, he didn't play Marshadow in his list, the resetting whole Marshadow. So he wasn't able to get out of the power plant lock and I just built up a big rally egg and just went smack, 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 smack took all my prizes and that's how that went. And then in game two, we just didn't get a chance to finish. I mean, that was kind Mm of the plan. That was the plan from both of us. Right. So we had this really grindy game one. And I think he was thinking, okay, if I can win this, then I just take my time in game two. And that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like if I win this, then I just am looking to survive in game two. And so we both played that game one as as well as we could and took it as long as we could. And uh, it ended up working out for me. And, um, you know, but it actually worked out for him too. Cause he ended up making top eight anyway. So shout out. Well, to well him. that round didn't work out for him. No, that round didn't work out for him. But <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe if he, maybe if he, I don't know, IDs or something, then, he, yeah. you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah, then I, nice. I, I made a really bad shout out to Brian Hunter, who I'm, I'm very sorry about and who will never let me live this down. But I come up to him around 14 and he's playing Trevenant. And I, and I'm thinking to myself, man, I should just scoop to this guy. Cause I want this guy and cut. And then I'm like, bro, I'm going to scoop to you. And he's like, yes. Like he gets to 31 points. I think he was at 28. And then I'm like, yeah, man, let's just, I'll just scoop to you. And then I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, uh, if I scoop to him, then I probably won't see him until top four at the <laughs> earliest, because I have so many points that I'll probably be like number one, maybe number two seed. So I right. probably won't see him. If I give him 31 points and he would be uh, another one of the higher seeds. Yeah, and he right, exactly. So I'm like, well, if I ID you now and then you ID in your last round, you'll be at 30. That's the bubble. And then I have a better chance of hitting you in top eight, which I would like to do. Oh my gosh. So then I rescind the concession and I'm like, oh hey, gosh. do you want to ID? You know, cause at this point it was a little <laughs> bit, yeah. I feel that's bad. really funny. <laughs> Luckily, Brian is a G and he's like, dude, I get it, but I'm never going to let you live this down. So, yeah. uh, so he's like, you know what? I'll take the idea because I take the, excuse me. I'll take the ID because this matchup sucks for me. And, you know, unfortunately he, he was ninth. Um, yeah. But I don't think he wins that matchup. So, uh-uh. I mean, you just tag with a rally. I, yeah. Yeah. I feel really, I, I do feel bad about saying like, I'll concede. I did say it twice, um, but I just had to think about it because it would have been a shame to—I don't know—to try to do to try to have him in cut, but then not play him because I didn't, you know, because I just like conceded. I don't know. It was it was weird. So <laughs> for sure. And the last round I did with Grant Manley, so we were both in cut, uh, and then top eight I played a mirror, and so. The mirror was more teched for, I guess, Zorark, so they played the Skeptile line. Right. The Skeptile was really, really cool, but it didn't really help him that many games because his deck really clunked up on him after I got the Vileplume out. Um, I was kind of surprised that the item lock Vileplume hurt him as much as, he, as it did because I believe that list played... I was told about 10 items, and I would guess that they're... They, like, he had netballs, I, I know for sure, yeah. Um, I don't, I don't really know the other items beyond that, but um, it it really clunked his deck up significantly, and I, and I think just in general, like he wasn't able to find supporters. He kind of drew badly, but at the same time, my deck just did what it was supposed to do, and and um, you know I, I was able to draw energy out of my deck a lot more easily than he was, and so I could get attacking faster, and so I just put too much pressure on him and tried to knock out Skeptiles. And um, you know, just tried to do the things, target down his energy when right. I could. And so uh he played like a life forest, and that was his kind of his out in the last game uh or in the first game of that series. But I had a power plan in hand to like counter that life forest and I was just kind of all over from there. You would think that the Skeptile line helps, but I just found that their deck um I just found that their deck, yeah, was just a maybe a little too clunky without being able to use the items on turn one, and and right. I think that's really all it came down to. He just never really got that that good start that you want to see, and then he was never able to get energy out of his deck because he couldn't search for things. The one thing I will say in the mirror, if they don't play, well, he played um, he played Leles as well, so my power plants were good against that. But I also was able to stick him this one crucial turn I remember in. I think game one where I flipped heads on the Gloom and he had a dead hand except for a Lele. So he could have played the Lele to grab a supporter, but I actually hit heads on Gloom. So I was able to bench that Lele. And, <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, you know, now you're stuck with a dead hand and your bench is full. And that was a pretty clutch flip. Um, and then in top four, I played against Guardian again. And those games were really stressful. I had to do a lot of thinking. The first game I kind of... You hate to see it. I know. You hate to see it. But the first game went with the uh this kind of the same as the stream game went where I tried to run him out of energy by consistently um either goozming like a a tag team on the bench or um fobbing the float stone or like just putting the pressure kind of on the Thing that he wasn't expecting or putting right. up the vile plume so he had to retreat the gardevoir Do, just doing different things like that to try to run him out of energy eventually i got to a point where i was able to use fabas in the late game because he kept you ha, kind of have to keep as the gardevoir player you kind of have to keep your wonder energy so that mm-hmm. the burning shadows vile plume doesn't status lock you and so he i mean he he did what he was supposed to do, right? He kept the, the, the wonder energy, but in doing so he opened me up to being able to Faba his energy away. Um, and then towards the end of the game, he just really didn't have any gas left to use. And I was able to uh, kind of muscle my way through that first game in the second game. I mean, what can you say? He ended up prizing both of his spritzes. So I knew <laughs> immediately that I had, that I had won. I, I mean, it really was like, I I knew that I had won that game when he ultra balls on his first turn and he grabs another Gardevoir. And I, and I think immediately, like, I have this game because you know, nobody in their right mind would just get another Gardevoir and pass. Right. So, so he clearly, he clearly prized both spritzies. And I played that game with that knowledge. Um, and that was very helpful <laughs> <laughs> it was good to know <laughs> yeah yeah and, and he also like missed um he missed <laughs> Goosba, i think in the early game which would have helped him knock out my burning shadows vial plume and or excuse me knock out my item lock vial plume and give himself a little bit more of a chance it was just really unfortunate that it came down to those prizing things but i mean that's you know that's part of the game and and you know if if he didn't have a way to deal with it then you know i mean maybe the deck could be constructed differently but it just kind of sucks that it came out down to that i mean sucks for drew that it came down to that it was was great for me that it came down to that but um he also had some weird prizing in game one where he prized all three uh additional Guardi mega Guardi or um guardy sylveons yeah and then in the stream match, he also had some weird prizes where he prized like an AZ and a Floatstone or something like that. He was kind of telling me after that maybe if he had those cards, it would have been a little bit different. But, um, you know, shout out to Drew again for bringing like an awesome deck. I think it was that was like, that was probably the deck that that um, should have made finals. But, um, you know, you have to get really lucky to win a tournament like this. So, um, no doubt. you know, I, I don't, uh, yeah, I, I can't, I can't yeah you know, somebody has to win, right? So I'm happy I'm happy I was able to do that. And then in the finals, obviously played against Chris again, tough matchup. I think there were some questionable plays on my part. I just finally watched the vod again. I think in game two, I like didn't go for a burning shadow or I didn't go for an item lock vial plume. and i I'm trying to I'm struggling to figure out why I didn't do that. Yeah, I was um, too. yeah. and so i I'm not really sure. I, I think it might have been like I was looking at. My, I knew I had a Gloom prized, I think, and I had one in hand. So it was like at that point that I was thinking, well, I will only be able to get up to Vileplume this game, and they probably should both be Burning Shadows. I think that was what was going through my mind at the time. Maybe not their correct play in hindsight, but I don't think my thinking was that wrong. Um, and I kind of got caught up in the moment. In that first stream game, I don't usually get nervous, but that first stream game, I was having a really hard time focusing and having a really hard time zeroing in on what my correct play was. I ended up winning that first game, but just to get centered and focused was difficult for me. So um, I definitely can see how people would get like stream nerves um, and how people would make incorrect plays. It it definitely almost happened to me in that first game, but after I kind of settled down and locked in uh, it was a lot better. So Last game, I had to choose whether to go first or second, right? I had won game one. He had lost game uh, game one, and he had won game two. So I had to choose. Andrew had been telling me the entire weekend. <laughs> Andrew had been telling me the entire weekend that I should go second in the Darkrai matchup. And based on my games with Chris, I felt like that was actually incorrect, um i didn't know he played only two stadiums but i kind of felt like the turn one power plant was so strong against his deck that i should probably try to go for it on turn one even if it means risking getting dead-ended gx because he never actually was able to attack with a turn one dead end which i thought was interesting which made me think like his deck was a little bit different from the turbo darks that i had uh practiced against and, and played um and so I, I chose to go first and it, mm-hmm. and it obviously paid off. We, we have a question here in chat that says, um, Did I know in game one that his Weavile was prized? I thought, I, I mean, I, I knew it was prized and I figured that that would be the only way I could win. So I played with that in mind. I, I knew he had a few turns to grab it and he didn't. So I was really curious as to why that was. And then I wasn't, I don't think I was able to get an AZ on the turn that my Rally egg had so much damage, so I just let him have it and tried to evolve into another Burning Shadows and then just hope that those two got me there. Luckily he didn't draw the Weavile and you know the rest is history there. Yeah. In group three I had some questions about when did I know that my two Burning Shadows vial plumes were prized? And the answer is that I actually didn't know until I drew them off my prizes. Because That's I mean so late. It, what's that that's like so late too yeah for sure for sure it, it was um it was really funny going back to watch it because i see that the chat is going crazy though they're, they're like win for Darkbox, win for Darkbox," and like oh my gosh i can't believe this happened and like Darkbox champion and like you know jw's deck sucks and you know all these all these things in the chat and uh but after i let loose him in t- game three and put the plant down and he passes, right? He has the Oranguru. My heart like flutters so hard when he Oranguru's for one. I'm like, please don't be a playable card. Please don't be a playable card. And uh, luckily it wasn't. But I knew then, after he just passes, that I, that I won. Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: I knew that as soon as I got the item lock plume up, that I won the game. He didn't get a single energy down. He didn't really get anything in the discard. There was no pressure, zero pressure, that he had put on me after that first turn. And so as soon as I figured that out, it didn't matter that my burning shadows file plumes were priced yeah right i exactly. i would have i would have i, I would have won that game regardless as long as i get you know that exact setup on that first turn so mm-hmm. uh, i didn't i didn't know i searched and i was only looking for one thing and that was the item lock vial plume. we got it out and uh made it work
0: yeah the the purple meanie gets there
1: purple meanie yo shout out to the purple meanie
0: so oh, purple meanie. when are you getting that uh tattoo
1: well, I'm not getting it. If you read the full tweet, it was actually a two-part tweet and is for Andrew. So. Oh, yeah. Gonna...
0: So I did read that tweet. Um, but when are you forcing Andrew, rather, to get that tattoo?
1: Mm. Well, we'll talk to his artist. Right. We'll see. I mean, it's, it'll be a little guy,
0: you know. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, <laughs> like the size of, like, a finger or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put it on, like, uh Just, like, hide it in one of his other tattoos. Like, it's just in (laughs) Yeah,
0: like Misty has a tattoo of it.
1: Oh, that would be insane. (laughs) Because
0: then that would explain why it's so small, too.
1: Right, right. That'd be hot. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, awesome. So, that's your tournament in review. I'd like to talk about some other things about Richmond as well. So, I'd love to look at, like, the decks at a high level of Richmond Going into Richmond, it didn't seem like you were super sure of what you wanted to play. Your confidence in your trademark guardie deck was definitely shook by the time Richmond came around. And I actually called you on that Friday just to, just to chat. And yep. you were still super uh, super in your head, it felt like, about what you wanted yep. to do. So how did well, you decide to come to Rowlegs? I,
1: I mean, I always get super in my head. And just for every tournament that I have ever played. And I always you wonder do, about for sure. I always wonder about the deck choice. And I always wonder about like the last few cards. Like I'm always super nervous about that 59th and 60th card. For some reason I just that's just how I'm wired to just really obsess over that kind of stuff. And so yeah, I was really nervous about Rallot Eggs coming in because I didn't have that many games. We had kind of talked about it. This was a really late deck, yeah. I think for the group. And it kind of well, came on well,
0: go ahead, I was some of the group was on it for a little bit, like I think Andrew was on it for a while at that point,
1: yeah, Andrew was on it for a while, but i it' only really come to my attention the week before, so I don't think that I would say I was necessarily hiding anything because I actually didn't really play that many games with the no, you probably, definitely
0: weren't into it either,
1: yeah, yeah, and I kind of felt like it was it was crappy um. <laughs> Against it was a crappy against Zorak especially. Uh or yeah. it could have been. And it w- also took like a fifty-fifty against Archies. Right. And so I was That's a little what bit about on the phone. Yeah, exactly. I was a little bit nervous that, you know, the field would be have a little bit more Archies than than what we saw, which was practically nothing. Um and so, you know, I was a little off the deck just kind of saying, Well, it, it struggles with Archies, it can struggle with Zora control, which I expect a lot of good players to bring and and um, so I was kind of kind of off that because I felt like the popular deck was going to be Blastoise and I felt like the the deck of good players was going to be uh, Zora Control. So I don't think you can, knowing that those pieces of information, I don't think you can make a meta call where it struggles against those two decks.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I was really kind of in my head about it. And so um, how did I make that decision? we had talked about it andrew and i the week before and we had just written down all the matchups and we had gone down and we had kind of said you know night march auto win buzz shrine auto win hitmonchan auto win and like we were going down and there were just a, a kind of an unbelievable amount of auto wins where it was just well if you get out the burning shadows vial plume you win or if you lock their items turn two you just kind of win so <laughs> Knowing that 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 was kind of where I kept coming back to, I was like, "Well, okay, we take this kind of suspect matchup to Archie's, maybe take losses to really good Zorogar players, but it's a it's a winnable matchup if they don't play resetting hole." Um, and so that's kind of where I came back to, where it just had so many auto wins, auto wins, and so many dominant matchups that it seemed like the right play.
0: Yeah, I mean, clearly it was in the end. Yeah, it's funny that the the person who got on the deck last was the one who ended up getting the most payoff for picking it
1: i i guess so yeah <laughs> it really well it was it was interesting too because andrew was like hey man like this deck's good please and i've created it and i don't want my play to be broadcast so please don't play it on the ladder is basically what he said and so that's where i do most of my testing it kind of sucks but I kept, you know, and you know this, Riley. I was texting the group chat the whole week, and I was like, "Hey, anyone want to play some games? You know, <laughs> hey guys, want to hop on PCGO and, and test with me?" And I was and in nobody, California. <laughs> nobody took me up. No, I, and I'm not saying it's you. I'm just saying it, it was funny, like the timing and of everything. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, "Hey, you, anyone you wanna, You're anybody want to try to play?" This, yeah, anybody want to try this great deck that I have, or, or you know, this great deck that Andrew created? And uh, you know, nobody wanted to do it, so I didn't play the deck actually on cgo TGO until like the night before. I played it on Friday morning for maybe 15 games or 20 games. I ended up playing against a bunch of Honshiro, and that got me even more nervous <laughs> because I was like, "The meta is going to be entirely Honshiro." You, you said
0: that on the phone too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was crazy. There were I played it. It had to have been every other game. It was against a Honshiro <laughs> player, and they would always body me because they just. They, they would always pull off the combo. They'd always get the Mars. It was like the perfect setup for Honchkrow every single game. And so I was really spooked. Um, but it ended up working out in the end. And yeah. I kind of talked about this too. Like I, I tweeted a little bit where I was like, I don't like this deck. Um, but then I, I kind of like, I feel like I covered my tracks a little bit by saying a little bit later in the week that You know, the decks that I liked actually turned out to be decks that I really just didn't like. And it it kind of felt like the more that I played the format, the more um, things would change and they would just, they would flip on their heads. I would think that Archies was good one week and then the next week it just sucked Um, and these kinds of things. But um, I feel like my preparation was good in the sense that I got a really good overview of the entire format for a long time because I'd been testing Expanded for a good two months as pretty much my primary format. So I I knew kind of the strengths Mm. of the format. I knew the weaknesses, just generally speaking, it may not have been particularly with Rallit eggs, but uh, I think that does go to show that practice, you know, can improve your results. I think that's a really good example of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, getting any amount of games in a format, especially with the amount of quantity that you did is helpful no matter what deck you end up playing.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: Awesome, well, I think I think that's a really good testament to what went down there. So let's talk about some things that we that came out of Richmond. Um, first, I'd like to hit on the biggest flop of the weekend. No doubt, we've both talked about it by now, is Archie's ace in the hole. Uh, really looking bad, honestly, looking pretty bad this weekend. So no. what was the deal with that? Why did Archie's flop so hard? It felt like barely anyone
1: played it, and anyone who did, I mean, they didn't make day two, that's for sure. So. Yeah. Yeah, I I really couldn't tell you. I just feel like it was just the collective TCG hive mind saying Archie's maybe just isn't the right choice and just opting for a different deck. Um, I I had kind of been talking about Archie's for a while, saying like it didn't really gain anything too big aside from Espeon Deoxys. But I often found that I couldn't get the Espeon Deoxys like turn one. It wasn't that consistent for me. Right. Let alone getting let alone getting the Blastoise out turn one. Um, And so I, I mean, I I feel like I talked about it on the podcast, just being like, I I don't think that Archie's gains enough or changes enough to make it viable when it wasn't really that viable last format. Um, And so I just think everybody had kind of shifted away. There were a lot of people that kind of felt the same way. And so um, that's why Archie's flopped.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm more or less inclined to agree. I was... I mean, I legitimately thought Archie's was going to be the most popular deck of this tournament, and that was actually what turned me off some other decks that I was testing. I, I let Archie's completely warp my perception of this metagame, but uh, I mean, I personally don't even like Archie's at all. I'll You'll hear me time and time again say I hate Archie's, I'll never play it. Um, it's just way too much of a cheesy, I guess, strategy. I don't know if cheesy is the right word, but you know what I mean. Sure. Um, like, it's very reliant on doing this one thing, turn one, which is kind of gimmicky in of itself. Um, yep. I guess gimmicky is better than cheesy to describe what Archie's is. It's literally a gimmick. Sure. sure. <laughs> um, yeah. And I guess the rest of the community kind of caught on to that vibe. And, like, they all, I'm sure lots and lots of people tested Archie's, and they all kind of came to the same conclusion. So it wasn't a matter of, you know, Archie's not necessarily being I guess it, Archie's was popular, but then so many people tried it out and felt that kind of awkwardness that comes along with it that they all switched to something that felt a little more comfortable.
1: Right, right, exactly.
0: Uh, another another surprise from the weekend, I think, was maybe not a surprise, but the amount of Zoro Control was really astronomical this weekend. Um, do you think that is prescriptive of this metagame? Do you think Zoro Control will continue to sit at the top?
1: Uh, I mean, at least for now, when we still have Surge, I, I'd kind of, maybe not underrated Surge, but I, I knew a lot of good players would be playing a, a zor Control deck just because you have the options to deal with everything. Um, it's no generally doubt. generally consistent. Um, and I think that it was the play for the better players because they just were able to grind down opponents and capitalize on misplays.
0: Yeah, I mean, Zora Control does that. Yeah. Pretty much better than any other deck at this point, so exactly. I exactly. think that's a pretty fair assumption. It's a fa- it's a obviously a, a favorite deck of, you know, you'd be crazy if you didn't think that the gang DDG whatever you want to call them testing group was was not going to bring some sort of zero control variant, right? It's just exactly. crazy to say not to at this point, you know. Yep, yep. for sure. Especially now for that sure. it has all these new tools. So yeah. new tools that are going to very quickly be on the way out too. If I might add,
1: I know very interesting.
0: <laughs> so. Zoro control and Archie's kind of flip flopped in a way the the way we expected them to appear. What do you think is going to be the outcome of this regional on Portland? So, you know, we have Eggrow winning. What's that going to do? Whoa, oh, bro! Whoa, 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 whoa! Hold up, hold up. Humpty Dumpty winning. There we go. What what's that? What effect is that going to have? Are people going to change their decks to accommodate that? Or are they going to ignore it? As we've seen time and time again, people ignore sure. decks that do well. Do we sure. think that sword control will be on the up on the down? What's the story for Portland?
1: Well, I'll flip that back on you, Riley, um, to answer, and I'll kind of give my uh, impressions after you being, you know, the two sides. Right? I was in it. I was on the battlefield, and uh, you know, you were kind of overlooking everything. So, so <laughs> I, I would just I would just postulate that question back towards you. What what would you think? Um, you know, either counters or or decks that maybe arise now that. Um, Humpty Dumpty, Dumpty is, is on top because it really was a format breaker. We saw mm-hmm. two different groups come up with their own lists and and ride this deck to nine day two spots. Nine day two spots. It was by far the most played deck in day two, which is insane to think. And, and the conversion three top eight rate, spots. And the conversion rate was unbelievable no, because no, our, yeah. group, our group played it and the list that Andrew, Michael Zeely, Brady Botner, and I played was four for four. And we had, you know, Andrew bubbled out of top eight, right? He was on the bubble there at 30 points. He had 10th. Yeah. And then Zealy made it in and I, you know, made it in as well. So just a crazy, crazy conversion rate. I there's nothing in my 10 years of playing the game that I've ever been a part of that's been as dominant as that deck was for that tournament. Um, and so and then you just see it with the other players, the other testing group that came up with their own take on it. That also was just so oppressive and so powerful that took them uh, very far. Yeah. But yeah. okay. So 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 saying that, Riley, what uh, what do you think will change about the meta game heading into Portland? You know, I wouldn't be
0: surprised if a lot of people don't change their deck at all. I do think more people will will play route executor. Um, I think more people will answer it in general, but I think a lot of people will stay stagnant um that's just we've seen that time and time again in pokemon right we saw i mean we saw Vileplume do well in team up format and people still didn't pay attention to it we saw stall do well in multiple formats people don't pay attention to it we saw ddg be dominant for multiple expanded regionals with the same exact deck and nobody respected it at all um so i think that's just kind of the the nature of pokemon and the way decks are built is people tend to be uh rigid, I guess you could say, and they'll stay on their current trajectory. But that doesn't mean it won't get on unanswered on completely. I think things like hoods could start appearing. I don't think hood is the best answer, but if you can just get one hood knockout, that can completely change the game. Um, I think stuff like the Weavile and Dark was actually genius when I read it at the end of the day one standings I'm like, what the heck is this? But then once I thought about it more and saw it in action, I'm like, well this is actually you know, this is so good against Zoro control. And then it's also pretty good against plumes So it's just like yeah. He just it felt like Christopher just uh Christopher Kemp just fell into this amazing play uh that started I, off by just being a dark box player. No,
1: I, I mean I don't think he fell into it because No not, no
0: that's I, not what I, that's not what I mean exactly. Oh, okay, like he, okay. he deliberately chose to play Weavile for those matchups but yeah it, he yeah. came into the weavile just with like a dark boxy kind of background and i was like well you know i was playing these energy switch he said i was playing energy switches but then i you know i originally was playing a more dark boxy variant and so yeah. i just threw the weavile back in once i started losing the viral and zero controls and i'm like that's <laughs> awesome <laughs> you know yeah
1: and it it obviously worked i mean his deck was awesome i i really was happy to play chris and 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 drew i was happy to play you know both three times over the weekend. And they were both really, really great opponents. So um, like you said, the Weavile and Dark, very, very good. I think another thing that I would say is like, just in general, like aromatis feels very strong. I think it has a very bad Dark Box matchup, but a strong uh, just general matchup. And one of the things that makes Aromatous, um weak though, against the Egg Rowlet deck is that aromatis can't even two-shot a uh, Vileplume. And so if there was some way for aromatists to two-shot the Vileplume, and I'm thinking particularly a, a, a Muscle Band would be a good card. I could even see a third Spritzy being very good because then that way you could like ace a and just cycle a little bit better than what Drew was able to do because there were a lot of games where he would get a couple of Spritzies down or get, you know, he'd have, you know, obviously obviously takes a turn to evolve a Spritzy. So I was able in those turns to Guzma up the Spritzy on the bench and take that out, and since he didn't play any form of recovery, he was never never able to use more than one Aromatis. And so mm-hmm. I, I feel like there are some small minor changes to Aromatis that you can make to make it better for the field. I still think it has a very very bad Dark Box matchup specifically because they can just dead end you and then one shot you uh, in the late game with uh, Zorak Greninja, but. I think it handles a lot of the field, and with very minor changes, I think you take a very, very positive Humpty Dumpty matchup.
0: Yeah, I definitely think the Guardi and the Weavile and Dark are premier ways to just straight up beat uh, the Executor deck. Just having viable evolutions, honestly, that you can squeeze into a deck is, I think, enough to push most decks over the edge. Um, At least, you know, Zork is kind of you know, Zorg takes more of an even matchup because it's so ability and special energy reliant, I think.
1: Um. I will say, I will say that I think the Zorg decks uh do have a very easy counter to uh to Humpty Dumpty in the Marshadow with with um yeah. reset. I think that that I, I was talking like with Grant a little bit back and forth and he's like yeah, I didn't really realize how free the matchup was, or maybe not free, but I mean he kind of polarizes things. But you know, he said, I never really realized how free the matchup was until I played Zealy in top eight and I just was able to get the Marshadow down. It's it's a very just preemptive card. So when you try to stick a plant, it will never stick for that turn because they can always Marsh Shadow it away. So they always get an extra turn of abilities. And so that could be really strong too in Zorak if you're thinking about taking that to Portland. I, I would definitely include. I think that is a staple for uh, for Portland if you do decide to play Zorak. Yeah, I mean, the Zorak control deck can even
0: loop that Marshadow.
1: Yeah, and that that sucks really hard. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> <bad>. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm sure you can confirm that is that would be Ab- rough.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> so
0: yeah, I think resetting hole is also a great addition for Zorak decks as a way to overcome that. Oppressive power plant. So, sure. those are some ways to beat executor As far as decks that will appear in Portland, I think, I think kind of like I tested to Zorak will be on an uptick. I like Zorak control a lot. That's been my favorite deck even leading up to Richmond. I I have said time and time again, that's my favorite deck. It's probably the one I'm most comfortable with. So that's something I'm looking at right now. Um, I won't be surprised if Archie sees an uptick in Portland as well um a i felt i find in general that archie's is more popular on the west coast um mm-hmm. but b i think just like archie's just the kind of deck that comes back no matter what and no matter how many times it flops there's always going to be some amount of people who keep playing it so sure i think it'll come back a little bit and i think Eggrow will be a more of a known quantity but also will appear more um it's yeah. only a very limited number of people played it in richmond i think that will be a more significant amount in Portland.
1: I I just would, yeah, I would say if you are going to Portland, I would try to have, if not a specific counter, I I would definitely just play the matchup because it, it is very, very, um, it does have a lot of very free wins, but it can get a lot trickier if the players who are playing them have either a way out or can really play the matchup better. Um, you know, I, I think since it was so unknown, we definitely saw or I definitely saw some people just maybe not make the optimal plays against me, yeah. uh, because they didn't really have the the testing in against the deck. And that's I mean another bonus of playing a rogue deck. But I would definitely say if you're going to uh Portland, have have an answer or have have some strategy against the deck.
0: Yeah. And I'd al- I'd also think that Dark Box is gonna see an uptick. I think uh Chris Kemp put put it on the map as the deck that can handle it and stick. And the Weavile yeah. was really the nail in the coffin to make it a truly viable, insane mm-hmm. archetype.
1: Yeah, exactly. And well, and you saw it from the results of day two, right? You saw again, there were a lot of eggs and there were a lot of Zorarchs. And so those are two matchups that are really bad for Dark Box, generally speaking. And I think that's why we only saw maybe one other Dark Box without, I don't believe they played Weavile, uh, but just one other Dark Box in. Uh, day two not that it wasn't played but that it kind of got weeded out by uh just decks that were better against it um and so yeah we saw chris make a great call just the one one weavile was enough and uh really pulled through for him yeah
0: no doubt no doubt pulled up paid off really well for him so those mm-hmm. are my opinions jw is there anything you'd like to add as far as things that we expect to see in portland
1: I just think the last thing is that people will construct their decks around item lock just a little bit more. I would say another thing that uh, people will do is probably increase their supporter counts maybe just a little bit, like maybe take out that one, you know, the fourth VS Seeker and put in another Juniper. I don't think it'll be drastic shifts because, of course, VS Seeker and Trainer's Mail and Battle Compressor, all these items are very, very strong and very, very good for a lot of decks, but... I think we will see a little slight shift towards a heavier supporter count for a lot of decks. I think, I think that... like second Guzma as well is something. Exactly. I was just going to say the the second Guzma is huge. The more that you're able to pick out, you know, the, the item lock Vileplume on the bench, the better off you're going to be able to be. So like there were a lot of times in the games where uh, particularly against Buzzgarb, and even though it didn't really matter all that much, but they only played their one Guzma, Uh, and then four BS Seeker. But if they were never able to one-shot the Vile Plume, then it was almost felt like a waste of a a Guzma. So you want to make sure that if you do use Guzma, that you're able to one-shot whatever you're bringing up. Uh, But I do think that uh, Chris, one of the things that he had in his deck, which really gave me a lot of problems, was two Guzma. And so I had to make sure I played around that in the finals. Yeah,
0: for sure. Well, I think that's a pretty good perspective as to... How the meta might shift in portland i think otherwise there's going to be a lot of stuff that remains the same too so you can check out some of our previous two episodes on expanded if you want to hear more about our thoughts on the format as a whole yeah jw yeah. is there anything else that you wanted to hit on today
1: i mean i i think this is good yeah I, I just like we've talked about what we expect to see we've talked about what changes will be made and and what we kind of think the meta game will be like and so I think this will be a good overview for portland what what do you have winning riley what would you guess would win if you had to if you had to make a choice honestly my own two favorite picks and the things
0: that i'm considering the most are probably going to be dark with revile and zora control
1: yeah and, and that would be exactly where i would go um you know you echo exactly where my mind goes they have answers to the rallied deck And they have answers to really every deck and format. I I can't really think of a deck that that I would be scared to play uh, if I was piloting one of those two decks. So I expect the metagame now to be dominated mostly by, you know, some type of Chris deck, right? I think it's just inherently strong. And the more people that play it, the more it'll uh, do well. And then just Zora Control in general, I think will be the pick of maybe the more experienced players. Yeah, for sure,
0: for sure. Well, J.W., I have one last question for you. Obviously, actually, I have two. Uh, So first, uh, if you could change one thing about your deck in Portland, what would you change, or in Richmond, what would you have changed and why?
1: Well, there were two cards that I changed, and one of them was the inclusion of the Shuckle, and the other was the inclusion of the fourth gloom that confused instead of flipped (laughs) i think i would still keep the gloom and the reason is that you can always just evolve it first if you know you're not going to need it in the matchup so i just kind of feel like why not play why not play you know that other gloom just to give you an option against things i never attacked with it once but uh i still think it is probably it earned its spot i don't know i just feel (laughs) like if you want to have those You want to have, if it's never going to punish you, which it never punished me or maybe punished me very like minimally, then you might as well have that option. I feel like. Yeah, totally. But, but that's just me being like, that's just me being me. And I always do this (laughs) kind of stuff where I just like try to tweak it just a little bit, give it that little JW spice, (laughs) a little spice. And then the second thing was, yeah, the Shuckle, Shuckle wasn't great on the day, but it was had very specific uses. And I mean, it, it definitely beat, uh, def- definitely helped me win my matchup against Michael uh, Pramawat. So I, I think you keep it in. Uh, if you take it out, I would just add another consistency card, either the second Stevens or, um, you know, or another Bridget or uh, another Juniper or something like that. But I really do feel like the more I think about the list, the more I feel like it is the optimal list and, and the perfect list. And I'm excited to see how people do change because because certainly, certainly people will change it for yeah. Portland- But I'm excited to see how it is. I I do think that this is, you know, as close to a perfect list as as I've played in a long time.
0: Cool. I think that's a really good answer. So last question for me. So every time I've won a tournament, especially in, in Dallas, I felt there was a moment before, long before I actually won the tournament, when I knew I was going to win. Did you have a moment like that in Richmond? And what was that moment?
1: Not really. Uh, I will say, though, when I found out that Drew had prized both Spritzy in game two, that was a time where I was like, oh, well, it just hit me that, like, oh, I'm going to the finals. You know, that and that's that's always something very special. Um, You know, it it was really fun with the deck because a lot of the games were just the inevitability of it. And it felt so fun to just I, I don't know what being a wrestler is like. But I have to imagine that there was some aspect of that where you're like trying and trying to to get your opponent in a position where you can just win. But you know that you're stronger than them and you know that you're going to overpower them. It's just waiting for that opening um, and positioning yourself correctly. And so that's just really what a lot of the tournament felt like when I played against Drew in top four. That second game, that was probably the closest I got to that feeling of inevitability of winning the tournament. But I knew going against. Chris in the finals, like it was just gonna be a tough matchup. And I knew that um if he played it well, that you know, I could easily lose. So I definitely didn't let my guard down, but but uh you know, it definitely felt like a, it felt like a tournament of destiny when I played against
0: (laughs) Yeah, prizing those Fritz he had to felt insane. No doubt. Absolutely. No doubt. Well, thank you so much for your time, JW. Congratulations on a fantastic regional win really awesome showing out there i was cheering for you the whole way i was freaking out when i found out the news so really hats off to you man round of applause for sure Um, and for everyone else in chat thank you so much to all of you we love all of you we love all of our viewers on all of our podcasting platforms and on youtube and we will talk to you all next week peace